Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. You know, when we get to do this and we we see these uh, babies being born into our church family, into um, families within our church, it it, it is a joy. Um, We take great comfort in that, uh, that, that God is continuing to work. Um, you know, I think about these little ones. Uh, I think about the children I see sitting out here today because it's family worship. You know, often we'll say things like, wow, to be able to go back to that age and, and to, to the joys of early in life, right? And we think, wow, it'd be really nice to have that. Or, or to be able to go back to when we first became believers and the, the joy we had, the gladness we had as we um, came to know Jesus, you know, about um, uh, we moved here 10 years ago from Utah, and we lived there for, for about three years. I know I've told you all that before, um, but the, what I haven't told you is the house we lived in had this massive bay window um, in, the, in the living area, and I was so excited when we moved into this house because the view outside of that bay window was a beautiful peak of the Wasatch Mountains. These are Rocky Mountains. They are very large. They, most of the year, were snow-covered on the top, all right? And so I would come, the first, you know, from when I first moved in there, I was like, I would come and I would sit and I would marvel at the beauty of these mountains. And then about a week later, I didn't even notice them anymore. And it'd only be at certain times where I'd remember, I'd be like, oh, and just be recaptured by the beauty of those mountains. You know, it's kind of like that with, for us as Christians sometimes, for those of here who are followers of Jesus, you know, at first we just have this joy and gladness. But as we walk through the Christian life, at, at moments we just completely forget it. Right? We, we lose sight of it. I'll say it that way. Today, as we come to this passage, we're going to see that Jesus brings joy and gladness. And I'm going to add a little bit to that. Is that Jesus brings joy and gladness even in the midst of our sadness, our sorrows, our trials. Maybe even in the midst of persecution. You know the the series we're in is the power of the church in the face of persecution. Um, But Jesus brings joy and and gladness in the midst of that. That's what we're going to look at this morning um, as we prepare to read God's word. Um, I want to remind you of where we are. Um, We've just had, Pentecost has just occurred. The Holy Spirit has, has come as Jesus had promised. The disciples, the 120 have been waiting. Holy Spirit comes. There's a big commotion because all these people who are there from different places are hearing these guys speak um, and they're hearing different languages. They're hearing um, these same guys speaking in one language. They're all hearing it in their own language. And then Peter, that Pastor John showed us last week, Peter gets up and begins to preach at the beginning of Acts chapter 2. And he starts and he's like, hey, pay attention to these words. And he preaches a little bit. And as he's preaching, he's saying, salvation is for everyone who believes. Now, that would have been news. And after he said that, I imagine, you know how when, you, when you're in a big room or you, or, and you see somebody says something from the front and all of a sudden there's just a bunch of little murmuring and stuff going around? I imagine at this moment there's a lot of murmuring and a little bit of a distraction going around because here's what Peter says next. Acts chapter 2, verse 22 he says, men of Israel, hear my words. Men of Israel, hear these words. 
And that's where we pick up in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 22. Excuse me. He says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. You pray with me once more. Lord, as we look at your word, um, Lord, would you take it? And Lord, would you apply it to the hearts of those who have gathered here today? We ask for your work, for your glory, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I think Peter here, as he's getting their attention, he's trying to get their attention because out of care and out of concern for them, he's speaking to people who have no idea of their need. And he wants them to know two things, I think. One, who Jesus is. And two, the joy and gladness that Jesus brings. And so those are going to be our two points this morning. Who Jesus is, and then the joy and gladness uh, that Jesus brings. So first, who is Jesus? Well, the first thing we see is that Jesus is the one who God promised. Um, so verse 22 says, Jesus of Nazareth, this Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. So Peter is telling the Jewish listeners, Jesus is the one who throughout all of the promises of the Old Testament, Jesus is the one who had been promised to you. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the Messiah. But you did not recognize him. It's what Jesus is telling them. Even though you didn't recognize him, even though right in front of you, he did mighty works, he did wonders, he did signs. Now kids, um, some of the kids who are in here today, you've heard about these things that Jesus did from the life of Jesus as, you, as you've looked at the life of Jesus. Y'all just went through that uh, fairly recently. Some of those things that Jesus did, if you think about that with me, Jesus healed the sick, Right? Yep, Jesus uh, calmed the sea when there was a storm. Jesus changed the water into wine. Jesus cast out demons. Jesus multiplied the loaves and fishes. Jesus even raised someone from the dead. Right? So when it talks about these mighty works and wonders and signs, Jesus was doing all sorts of these things. And what Peter's telling the people is, those things were things you should have been looking for. Those things prove who Jesus says he is. God did those things through Jesus to prove to you that he is the promised one. Even Jesus' enemies had to admit 
that he was doing miracles. Although some of them said that it was because Satan was doing them through him, they were at least acknowledging that something was happening. Most of the people were acknowledging that no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And so Peter's reminding his audience that Jesus had done many miracles in their midst, and he's saying, you knew it, and yet you neglected him. And he goes on, and and who is this Jesus? This is the one that God has talked about in his plan. So my point there is, God told you his plan. It was about this Jesus. Verse 23, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. When God showed you the plan, Peter's about to make people mad here. Do y'all get the setting of what's going on here? You killed Jesus. If I walked in here today and said, you killed Jesus or someone, that stirs people up, right? Especially if they don't think they did anything wrong. When those Peter was preaching to, when they first think about Jesus' death, in their minds it would mean that that he could not possibly be the Messiah or the Savior, as they understood it. But, But Peter's showing them that yes, men put Jesus to death, and yet that was part of God's plan to use the sinfulness of men, men being responsible for it, it was part of his plan. It had been promised throughout the whole Old Testament. One place that we see that, there's many, many places in the Old Testament that we see it, but one place that we see that is in Isaiah 53.10. And there it's talking about the suffering servant. It says, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. By the way, this is like 700 or more years before Jesus. All right? It was the will of the Lord to crush him, and he has put him to grief. Peter's telling them, you missed the plan. You missed it. And instead, you hated Jesus and you killed him. But even that was part of the plan. It had to happen so that the punishment of sin could be on Jesus. And it had to happen so that the joy and gladness could be possible for the people of God. That was part of God's plan. Third, who is this Jesus? Peter's like, Jesus is the one that God raised from the dead. Look at verse 24. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death. Death is not going to be the end because of what Jesus has done. Through Jesus, death is not the end. He, he loosed the pangs of death. And then it says that it was not possible for him to be held by it. A lot of times when I've read that, that phrase, I just kind of go right over it. Um, but I want to pause on that for a minute because I think there's a lot of, of truth and hope in that, in that um, phrase. And I listened to another pastor say these things, and I'll go through them quickly. Um, that pastor was Ken Jones. And as I prayed with, through them, I was thinking about um, you know, just using part or tweaking them. But I'm just going to t- share with you what the phrases that he used. Um, first is that as God... He couldn't be held by death because as God, Jesus has authority over life and death. Um, We see the triune God at work here is what he's talking about. Um, Here it's saying God the Father raised Jesus from the dead. In Romans 8, 11, it says the Spirit of God raised Jesus from the dead. In John chapter 10, Jesus says, no one takes my life. I lay it down and I will take it up again. 
the authors are not confused in all these places. It's that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, each were part of that, and that is important to understand because that's where the authority comes from. The triune God and therefore Jesus have authority over life and death, and so it's not possible for him to be held by it. It's also not possible for him to be held by it because Jesus is without sin. Where does death come from? It comes because sin entered the world. We first saw that with Adam and Eve, and we see the results of that since. But death is no threat for someone without sin. Jesus experienced death. Jesus tasted death. But I want you to hear something. Kids, look up at me a minute. I want you to hear this. It was not possible for Jesus to stay dead. You tracking with me? It was not possible for Jesus to stay dead. Because Jesus was without sin. Third thing, it was not possible for him to be held by death because after death, he had somewhere else to be. He told the people that he was going to the right hand of God. He was going to, uh, there to intercede on behalf of his children. He was going there to prepare a place for us. He had already said he wasn't going to stay dead. And now he didn't. And then finally, it's not possible for him to be held by death. And if you missed all the other ones, I want you to get this one. And that's because weary and wounded, weak followers of Jesus, and by the way, if you look around the room, you'll see a bunch of them, because that's who we all are. We may not fully realize it yet, but that's who we all are. Weary and, wook, wook. weary and wounded and weak followers of Jesus. We need to be assured of the enduring love of God as we walk through this life. If you're not a follower of Jesus here this morning, and also sometimes children who've not, yet, who've not really started to experience some of the weakness and the, the weariness, maybe the mountain still looks really big to you. I want you to hear me say this morning that, that Jesus died for people, for followers of Jesus who all get weak and weary. We all have those moments where we don't see the joy and gladness and we need to be redirected to him. That can be because Satan tempts and attacks us. Um, that can be because of sin in our hearts. That's because, that can be because we don't do well caring for one another. There's all these different things. I won't go through them all. But this morning, I want you to hear that death could not hold Jesus because he would not let the weary and woundedness, the weakness of his people be the end of it. He wanted his people to know the enduring love of Jesus so that we might experience and learn again and again to experience the joy and the gladness of walking with him. He ensured that we can constantly be reminded and growing in knowing and exhibiting his enduring love. See, as we get it, guess what happens? 
we begin to tell others about it. We begin to remind one another of it. We begin to walk together in it. That's why he couldn't stay dead. That's who Jesus is. And that leads us to the joy and gladness that Jesus brings. I'm going to read once again verses 25 through 28. And it says, For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life and you will make me full of gladness with your presence. So quickly, um, we read this from Psalm 16, verses 8 through 11 as our call to worship this morning. Now, Peter is saying, David wrote that about David and about being in God's presence. Peter is saying that also applies to Jesus, that David was actually writing even unknowingly more about Jesus to come. And what's also interesting, because of those things we talked about the last few weeks, because we are in Jesus, these things are also true about us, that we are growing um, to understand and trust and believe these things. And there are two important things for us to see about the biblical joy and gladness that Jesus brings, and I think they come from here. Two things. One is that biblical joy and gladness do not deny sorrow, sadness, and grief as we live in this world. Biblical joy and gladness do not pretend like those things don't exist. Verse 27 says that his soul would not be abandoned to death. In this passage, there's no denying that there is death. There's no denying that there's sadness and sorrow and grief. It says he will not be abandoned in those things. There's a false teaching out there that if you walk with Jesus, then things will always be getting better. And that if things are hard, if we experience sorrow and grief, then we must not be following Jesus. Or we must be doing something wrong in the way we're following him. But think about Jesus' life for a minute. Right before his death, Jesus was distressed and troubled, right? What did he tell Peter, James, and John? He said he was going to pray, and he told them to pray because his soul was sorrowful even to death. Hebrews 12.2 says that Jesus, um, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The cross itself was not joyful for Jesus. It was sorrowful. It was hard. He even says, Lord, if it be, God, Father, if it be your will, take this cup from me. But he did it because of the joy that was set before him, even in the sorrow and the pain. And then in verse 16, or chapter John, chapter John, in John chapter 16, verse 20, Jesus is telling his disciples of his death and he says that they're going to weep, they're going to lament, that the world is going to rejoice thinking it had won and they're going to be sorrowful. But then he says, your sorrow will turn to joy because I will be alive again. I 
And I want to talk to the kids and the teenagers for just a minute, but, but really it applies to all our hearts. I was doing this in the first service and went, okay, I really don't need to call out kids and teenagers, but I'm going to. We live in a culture that teaches us that we should get what we want when we want it. Do we not? We live in a culture that teaches us that no one should have to ever be sad. We have the right to be happy and we should never be sad. But the Bible teaches us that these things are part of our lives because we live in a broken world. We take hope and we share hope because through Jesus' work, through His change, our life, through His changing our lives and growing us, we can learn to find joy and gladness, even while acknowledging the hurt and the pain. That comes, this joy and gladness comes from seeking God's presence in our lives. That's the last thing I'm going to show you in this passage. Verse 25 says, I saw the Lord always before me. When? Always before me. He is at my right hand that I may never be shaken. In verse 26, therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced and my flesh dwell in hope. How do we grow in knowing the presence of God in our lives? I'm going to go back to that thing where I started, right? When we start the joy and gladness of God, when we start as believers, and it's huge, just like that mountain in that bay window. But as we go, we get distracted with things, we experience things, um, things, things hurt, we hurt each other, all those things happen, and we, we lose sight of it sometimes. How do we come back to it? Well, together, we need to point each other to this, and we need to pursue this individually, but, but there's, there's four quick things. One, spend time often with God and His Word. It says, His presence is always before me. He says that's where He's going to meet with us. Spend time with God and His Word. Spend time often with God in prayer. In prayer, spend time with Him. He's... We don't always understand all the things that are going on in prayer, but here's what we do know. He says he listens to it. He says he hears it. He says he even makes it pleasing to him. Spend time with him in prayer. And then third, ask him to help you learn to see that all things in your day are used by God. That can be a hard thing to swallow sometimes. And y'all, I sit with some of you sometimes, I'm like, yeah, I have no idea how God is using this right now. But I know that, I know the biblical truth says it is. And now I'm asking him to change me to believe that so we can love one another and walk through it together and care for one another in that. And then finally, enjoy God and his creation. Did you know that God says in Romans that we should be able to see God fully through His creation? Sin keeps us from being able to do that sometimes. Um, you know, I take you back to the example I started with, just the mountain itself and the beauty of the mountain, right? I missed that after a while. But enjoy God in His creation. Learn to, learn to seek Him there with, within His Word, in prayer, recognizing that all things throughout our day are used by Him. Verse 28, and I'll close with this. 
It says, you have made known to me the paths of life, and you will make me full of gladness with your presence. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Don't rest. Don't settle for a little stream of God's gladness and joy, a little stream of his presence. Keep going to him again and again. Yo, sometimes we think about reading the Bible. We think about praying. We think about those things as a, as a list to keep God happy with us. Here's the thing. God loves you. We are sons and daughters of God. If we have acknowledged our sin and our need for Jesus, we're not making him unhappy with us. We're not making him more happy with us. But man, we are learning to know the full presence, his full presence in our lives as we go to him again and again and again. He didn't give us anything in his word that is bad for us. And then if we love one another, we'll be patient with one another to walk together in looking through these things. We'll learn to do that together. And so my question to you this morning as we come to, in just a moment, to the Lord's table is will you take a few minutes and will you ask the Lord to show you, number one, where you're satisfied with other things rather than his presence in your life to bring you joy? And then two, um, if you'll do that, follow that up, don't leave it there. If you'll do that, ask him, to show you his joy, to show you his gladness more and more so that you can walk in the joy and gladness that he brings even in the midst of the sadness, the trouble, the sorrow that we face in this life. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at The Vine CC. Have a great week.